Welcome to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. Impact features interviews with gifted Bible teachers who will help you gain a greater understanding of Scripture so that it has a greater impact on your life. The host of Impact is Mark Jenstead, the Staff Minister for Nurture at St. Andrew. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hi, everyone. It's a pleasure and a privilege to share God's Word with you today. Today, it's part two of Revelation chapter five with Pastor Eric Shazer from Fox Valley Lutheran High School in Appleton. I invite you to listen to last week's episode if you haven't already had the chance. I encourage you to read through Revelation five, even open to it right now if you're able. We'll get back into it after we pray. Dear Lord, we are unworthy of your mercy, yet because of Jesus, you give us life and salvation and forgiveness, and so we join the heavenly chorus in saying, Worthy is the Lamb. Empower us to live lives worthy of the love you have granted us through our Savior Jesus. Lord, your will be done. Amen. Folks, if you are given the opportunity, please tell someone about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for this podcast to grow and reach more people so that more people can grow in understanding of Scripture and, more importantly, grow in faith and service to our Lord. I invite you to come back next week to hear Pastor Kyle Bitter from Luther Prep talk about what happens to our bodies and souls when we die. For now, enjoy Part 2 on Revelation 5 with Pastor Shazer. All right, I want to read the next few verses here. We see this uh, heavenly scene, Pastor, where the Lamb goes to the throne and takes the scroll from God. And I'm curious what stands out to you in these verses. So this is what John sees, starting in verse 6. Then I saw a Lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven thorns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And then he records the song that they sang. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. I'll stop there. There's a lot there to, to take in, Pastor. What, what stands out to you from those verses? I think there's a couple things. I think at first, you know, you have God the Father sitting on the throne, and then all of a sudden, Jesus is on the throne, right? And it's just sort of this quick transition that's such a good reminder that Jesus and his Father are one. And then obviously we have the reference to the uh, seven spirits of God. Uh, that is Isaiah chapter 11, I believe, is the reference. We're talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. So you see the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and Son, which is straight out of the Nicene Creed. Uh, and that's why it's in there, which was an issue back in 
1054, the split in the church, you know, the Eastern Church and the Western Church, one of the reasons they split was a misunderstanding about this. Uh, and so just that, that unity in uh, the Trinity is a big one. Uh, and then the uh, prayers of the saints and going up before God right there. Uh, just so many, so many wonderful uh, pictures here. And the, uh, the unusual lamb, you mentioned that. You asked, you had asked me about that. And yeah, the seven horns and the seven eyes. Yeah, again, super weird. If you see it in a drawing or a picture of it, it's, it's really sort of creepy, actually. But the, the comfort... The comfort from that, the number seven, God's plan for the earth, the horns, uh, the horn was a symbol of power throughout the scriptures, but in Revelation especially, uh, and so the power to carry out God's plan, that's what this lamb has, the power to carry out God's plan, and then you have the seven eyes, again, uh, the eyes thing throughout Revelation, it's, uh, you know, eyes like blazing fire is a common theme. And just the all-knowing, omniscience. And so Jesus, the Lamb, has all power to carry out God's plan. He knows exactly what God's plan is. He sees everything. And so that is this Lamb who is about to read the book of history here. Here's what's, what must soon take place, Revelation says. So here's what has to happen before Jesus comes back. Again, with the reminder that, as we just saw... The lamb is alive. Jesus wins. Verse 9 says, They, that's the elders, they sang a new song. Will, will songs of praise in heaven always be new? What um, I'm getting at is, uh, if the same song is sung over and over again, how can it be new is is that like like I, I think of where my mind goes is lamentations. Yep. The mercies of God are new every morning. I've I've heard the gospel before, but when the law does what it does and it, it convicts me of my sin, it leaves me hopeless and helpless and ashamed, then the gospel comes in and it's like a new song each time I hear it. And I think what you said, it's like a new song, but it's the same song though, right? Thanksgiving for the salvation that has been won, God's work, and that we need to hear that same message, that same song, but it is new because we are, like you said, that, that despair, that the law brings us to our knees, that recollection, that genuine sorrow for sin, you know, true scriptural repentance, genuine sorrow for sin means I understand that I have given God a bad, uh, bad reputation. I've damaged my relationship. I have sinned against my heavenly Father, whose will and direction is holy and perfect and loving. And I decided to do something else, or I decided to listen to somebody else. You know, isn't that the devil's lie? Really, is are you sure that's what God said? Always getting us to question God's wisdom. And then that realization that I questioned his wisdom again. Yeah. Um, and so that gospel, that song, you know, that song that they sing, uh, because you were slain with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. 
that is new and it is refreshing, like you said, even though it's the same same song, same message. Yeah. What is what is the full meaning of this phrase? With your blood, you purchased men for God. Uh, Jesus, Jesus' blood paid the ransom, paid the price to make us God's children. Tell us about where we're at before God without the blood of Christ. Uh, without the blood of Christ, we are standing on our own merits. And you and I know, thankfully, that that's not going to cut it. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the world thinks that in the end, they're going to be okay. Everybody knows, even those who deny it, everybody knows that they will stand before, they will meet their maker someday, and they will have to answer for their lives. And most people have convinced themselves that I'm going to be okay. I'm a good guy. I held the door for you today when you came up. Uh, I was nice and friendly to everybody I came into contact with today. I'm going to go home, and my family loves me because I'm a decent guy, and they've convinced themselves that that's going to be good enough. And they've convinced themselves that God will say, you did the best you could. Yeah, as long as I'm trying. And I know I'm not perfect. Uh, Most people, uh, I haven't run into anybody yet who thinks they are perfect. People will admit that they're not but I'm trying really hard to do the best that I can. And, and why, why, I mean, I know the answer, Pastor, but uh, while we're talking about it, why, why is the best we can do, why is that not good enough for God? Well, God demands perfection. To get a, he is a holy God. He can't accept anything less. So he demands perfection to get into heaven. Uh, and as we've said, that is not possible for us. So thankfully, he's not just a perfect, holy God who can't uh, tolerate imperfection, but he's also a loving God. So there's a just, a just God who must punish sin. He has to punish sin, but he's also a loving God. He said, okay, I know there's a problem here. You can't do this, and I have to punish it. So what are we going to do about this? So he punished his son instead and gave us Jesus' perfection. And so you and I stand before God right now, perfect in his eyes. And I know sometimes that gives people the impression that uh, God is like uh, just an elderly uh, grandfather who isn't really that bothered by your mischievous you know, activities and actions and attitudes and or maybe he doesn't see it, his eyesight's not that great, or he can't hear it because his hearing's not so great, or he just sort of brushes it under the rug and says, oh, don't worry about it, it's okay. Uh, no, he is looking at us through the, the blood and the life and the death of Jesus, and God honestly sees us, and we are perfect in his eyes. Our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. They've been buried in the bottom of the ocean. God does not see them. And I, I wonder if we really think that through and understand that that is how God sees us. We are perfect in his eyes. I once heard it put like this, that God does not overlook sin. He forgives it because of, because of Jesus. Yeah. He doesn't overlook it. Yep. How about verse 10, Pastor? It says, You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Can you explain that? They will reign on the earth? Uh, This is mentioned uh, a few times here in Revelation that uh, the Lord has made us part of his spiritual kingdom. 
And so we, we rule with him, we reign with him, we are his subjects, and he gives us the most powerful tool in the world. It is at our disposal. We have the, it's like having the nuclear code or something. We have it, and it's God's word. It's the most powerful weapon in the whole world. Uh, more powerful than any nuclear missile or anything like that is God's word, because it conquers hearts and uh, brings people, opens people's eyes to their salvation through Jesus. And this is one of those things, too, that is often misunderstood. We were sort of talking uh, off-air uh, about millennialism a little bit. We had just covered it in class today. This is one of those ideas that is out there in Christianity, is that this reigning, ruling part, that that will come at some point in history where Christianity will physically rule the world uh, for a thousand years, and where we're going to take over and the world will be ours. And that is, as I said, a misunderstanding of what uh, the Bible, what Revelation is talking about when it's talking about reigning and ruling with Jesus. We're that, ruling it, with him right now. If, if that's the interpretation taken from Revelation, that that contradicts with so many other scriptures, right? Yeah, all you have to do is look at Matthew chapter 24, and Jesus says in plain English, or plain Aramaic, he says, uh, the love of many will grow cold. He says, there will be an increase in wickedness. He says, many will fall away from the faith. And that's going to happen right before I come back on Judgment Day. So yeah, none of the rest of, of Scripture talks about anything like that, and that's one of those things that we focus on in class, and especially as important as you go through a book like Revelation, and we've talked about this in our previous, uh, previous discussions, is understanding uh, how to interpret the Bible properly and correctly, and God talks to us just like you and I talk to each other. Uh, we take Him literally. Unless he makes it super obvious, he's speaking figuratively, and that's how you and I talk to each other. Uh, if you had told me that there was a uh, uh, accident or a car pulled over on the side of the road and so there was sort of a traffic jam, I would have as assumed rightly that uh, there was a car pulled over on the side of the road and that caused a traffic jam because everybody had to look. I never once thought that, hey, is there a deeper meaning to somebody being pulled over and Mark being late to our uh, meeting? You weren't late, by the way, but, uh, you know, we we don't, and the Lord speaks to us the same way, and when it's obvious, like Revelation, he's using picture language, you know, giant horses and giant dragons and locusts from hell and things like that. The Lord is obviously speaking figuratively, uh, and so as we take those things in, we have to make sure that we aren't just guessing or that we aren't just putting our own spin on things because that's what we think is how do you figure it out if you're not sure what something means? You look elsewhere in Scripture and you find a clear, literal passage, and the Lord is really good at uh, explaining himself. And I talk to the kids. How do, you, how do you know one of the reasons I don't like poetry very much is because you can't figure out what it means. And you can talk to people and everybody says, oh, it means this, it means this. Well, you need to actually talk to the poet to find out what the word means, what, what his poem means, or a songwriter. Um, one of my one of my favorites. I don't know. You can cut this out, Mark, if you have to. But <laughs> okay. one of my favorite songs is uh, by the Police. Every breath you take, mm -hmm. and it's like a popular wedding song, and it just blows me away because people talk to Sting about it. 
the lead singer for the police, and he said, oh, yeah, I was stalking my ex-girlfriend. That's what that's about. It's not about a husband and a wife loving each other and knowing every, you know, every breath you take, I'm watching you. You ask the songwriter, what were you talking about? Well, you find out what he was actually talking about. It wasn't uh, wasn't loving at all. I'll never so. I'll, I'll never listen to that song the same way again. It's, it's one of those. Yeah, you hear it at weddings all the time, and I hear it now, and I cringe because I uh, I read or came across an interview where Sting said, "Oh yeah, that's what it was about." All right, so. back to the text. Yep, yeah, sure. Verse Sorry. eleven. No, that's fine. Verse, and I won't cut this out. Verse eleven. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. People ask me all the time, uh, "How many angels are there?" Is is there a hint in this verse? I hate to disappoint you, but remember, it's apocalyptic literature. Oh, that's so right. So it's picture language telling the future. It's just. Uh, the Lord is telling us that there's an infinite number, an infinitely large number of, of angels. All right. And, yeah. and they are singing. So here's, here's a question I know you can't answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Sure. What do you suppose the choir in heaven will sound like? I think it's, I, I equate it, obviously it's going to be way more awesome than this, but, and I've been blessed if you have ever been in uh, chapel service at the seminary. I have, uh, and just the singing there. It's just loud, and it's and it's it's excited, or um, like a pastor's conference. I've had the opportunity to do that, or a, a teacher's conference. I'm assuming is very similar, where you have all these people who are excited about their Savior and just willing to uh, put it out there and sing loudly their praise to their Lord. With that, we always remember. And I think this is a good thing when we, when we are in worship to remember Jesus is there. He's listening. He's listening to our prayers. He's listening to us sing. You know, teaching at a high school, and if you can remember back to high school, I'm not sure I was cranking out those hymns in chapel, you know, twice a day. Um, I have a little different perspective as we mature, I think, realizing that it's okay. I can crank it out. I may not have the best voice, but this isn't about me. This is about this is about Jesus, and uh, and so those are the two things that I I equate. Uh, and I'm sure other people have other examples. You have a full church on Christmas Eve or on Easter Sunday morning, and uh, just the the volume. And it's going to be way 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 better than that. All right, uh, I look forward to it. Yes. How about the awesome. song they sang, Pastor? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I know I didn't give you this question ahead of time, but I just thought of it. So I'm going to throw it at you. Sure. I understand, okay, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor, glory, and praise, but to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength doesn't doesn't he already have that? I mean, I understand we are giving him, we are giving him honor, we are giving him glory, we are giving him praise, but we can't give him power, wealth, wisdom, strength. Uh, where is where is the power and the wealth and the wisdom and the strength and everything coming from? It's coming from his Father in heaven, and so that is as they describe that. You know, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And uh, the role, verse 10, you have made them, talking about believers, to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. 
that is our role, that is our status here as, as God's people. And Jesus has, you know, the power and the strength and all those things uh, that, that God has, that his Father has given him. And that's why he's the one worthy to open the scroll, right? Exactly. All right, see, you help me understand So this. I'm not sure if I answered the question for you or not. I think you did. Uh, and then it closes with another song, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So that's God and Jesus, right? To him yep. who sits on the throne. At the beginning of the chapter, that's God. Yep. And to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And then it closes with the four living creatures said, Amen. What does that word mean? Amen. Um. Yeah, I, we use it all the time, right, at the end of prayers, and yes, it shall be so, or what's been spoken is true. In Revelation, Jesus is described as the amen. Uh, in one of the seven letters, he's described that way. Uh, he is the truth, and it's really interesting that the book of Revelation ends with the word amen. And what's been spoken, all this, everything that's been said, all this prophecy, looking to the future, that it's true. What's been spoken is true. And we don't have to end our prayers that way, and I wonder if sometimes we pray and you always got to say amen at the end. You don't have to, nowhere does the Lord say that, but you understand why we do it, because we know that the Lord will answer our prayer and what we've asked of him, he will do what's best for us. And that is, that is true. All right. So that, that takes us to the end of chapter five. Concluding thought on this chapter, Pastor? Oh, Did we I cover think, it all? Yeah, we covered it all. Again, this uh, preview, and I mentioned it way back at the beginning. It's sort of a preview because now we're going to get into the groups of seven, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls, the seven, sorry, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls. And it's not going to be pretty stuff. The Lord's going to talk about wars and uh, famine and natural disasters and plague and demons and and all these kinds of things. God pouring his wrath out on a, an unbelieving world. Uh, it's not going to be pretty stuff. But yet the Lord gives us a spoiler that Jesus wins. That lamb, looking as if he was slain, uh, or who was slain, standing there on the throne, ruling over all things for the good of God's people, for the church, uh, obviously loving God's people. And I think such a neat thing is uh, in verse 9, purchased men for God, right, the end of verse 9, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Um, how neat it is. I mentioned the Nicene Creed, you know, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. How neat it is. Next time you say that, think about this, that Christians have been reciting that same, those same words for the last 1,600 years all over the world. Not just here in the United States, but all over the world. Christians have been professing their faith uh, using the Nicene Creed. And that's just that's sort of awe-inspiring when you think about that. Uh, and, and that's just a good reminder there that there are Christians all over the world who love Jesus just like we do and are as you know concerned about the book of Revelation and God's word just as we are as they deal with the difficulties of life in this world. They cling to the same promises that, that you and I do that God has made 
uh, to his people. Very good, Pastor. So, folks, as you read through Revelation, whenever you read through Revelation, keep in mind what Pastor has said several times today, Jesus wins. And then another thought, as as we go through life, and life sometimes, I, I guess, can get the best of us, because we're living in a sinful world, we can remember that the Lamb who was slain is standing, standing. He's alive, and that makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yep, he's alive, and he's on the throne in heaven. So we can't ever forget, not only is our salvation secured, but as we live life in this world, we know that our Lord is in charge and in control. Because that's the temptation we have sometimes, is to wonder if the Lord is really in control. Can he really fulfill the promises that he's made? And how comforting it is to be reminded, we need that reminder, that yes, indeed, he is in full control for the benefit of his people. Very good. Thank you, Pastor, for your time and your expertise on Revelation and continued blessings in your ministry here at Fox Valley Lutheran. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it very much. Very good. And folks, we'll close with these words from Revelation chapter 5. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Thank you for listening to Impact, a ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. If you have a question or feedback to share, send an email to impact at saint-andrew-online.org. Please tell your friends and family about Impact and keep this ministry in your prayers. Impact is new every Monday and all past episodes are available. The greater you understand scripture, the greater impact it will have on your life.